We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com cloud. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Garage Beers! This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 57, and once again, we have another incredible special guest joining us this week from the sidelines at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We have got the one and only Angel Gray, the sideline reporter for the Cavaliers, plus it's Brown's free agency season. And of course, as always, we've got our Garage Beers of the Week, and it's a special Garage Beers of the Week because we're recording on St. Patrick's Day. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, or should I say top of the morning to you here on the Garage Beers podcast. By the time you listen to this, it's not going to be St. Patrick's Day, but we are recording Wednesday night, St. Patrick's Day, uh, one of my favorite days of the year, being an Irishman myself, uh, and and we're going to have a good time with this podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. Special guest Angel Gray we're going to get to in a little bit, plus we're talking Browns, Blue Jackets, and all kinds of other fun stuff. Before we get into that, go check us out online. Find our socials at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Uh, find us on TikTok. And as always, we are presented to you on the Belly Up Sports Network. Go check out some of the other podcasts on the Belly Up Sports Network. Uh, some of those podcasts are killing it right now. We're having a good time uh, being a part of that network. I'm Michael Keefe. You can find me at Garage Beers Mike. And with me, as always, over on the east side of Cleveland, it's Chad Meyer, Garage Beers Chad. What's up, Chad? Hi! Hi! Dudes, I think this will be the last show that I record. For real? In the base. In the base, man. In the basement. Because it's. 
going to be warmer next week. So I think I'll be back out on the porch. Let's oh. go. Porch season. You oh, have that. incredible porch envy of your porch, Chad. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah. It's going to be nice weather. I'm going to be back out. I'm going to, we're going to get into summer beers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked. Let's do this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to switching up some beer selections and trying some new things. This whole, Chad, you brought up the summer beers. This whole revelation I have about these like smoothie sours is throwing my whole <laughs> world upside down. Uh, and so I'm excited to give yeah, your mind's a, your mind's in a pretzel right now. It's in a damn pretzel. Ooh, pretzel sound good. Ooh. It's in a damn pretzel. Uh, over <laughs> we're, Chad, we're excited we're for fat. you to get back outside. Alone. We're fat. We're all, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, me too. Hey, welcome to the fat guys doing garage beers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad. Well, you're over there spending one last until next cold weather season comes along one last time in the basement before you get up and get outside. Uh, so again, go follow Chad at garage beers, Chad also joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, at least for tonight until he comes to hang out with us uh, this weekend here in Cleveland, but in Nashville, Tennessee, go find him at garage beers. Joe, it's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? What up? What it is literally. I'm so excited because Potentially, like this fall, tribe games. Uh, St. Patty's Day this time next year, parades. Uh, like, we're like at the finish line, I think, of all this bullshit, like stay at home, like mask on. And I can't wait. I'm so excited. I hope, I, I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Vaccines are out. Ohio just announced that on the 29th, anyone over 16 can get the vaccine, which is phenomenal news. It's good stuff. I went on registrationspree.com today, basically, where I just registered everywhere that I could register to try to get this. Because I feel like, I know they made that announcement, but I feel like everybody I know has gotten the vaccine or is getting it. You know, I, like, I feel like everybody I know is getting it. And I'm like the last one. <laughs> yeah and man i had yeah. lung problems i had asthma i need that vaccine <laughs> well listen joey i'm surprised that you haven't been doing things already down there in nashville i mean as soon as this thing started jesus took it away right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we've been full go since the beginning uh. <laughs> kenneth copeland somewhere i don't know where kenneth copeland is where is he Texas. Yeah. He's Texas. Texas. Somewhere yeah. wandering around the streets of Texas, Kenneth Copeland is somewhere just blowing up and down the sidewalks. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a- he, bl- he blew the wind of God on COVID, on COVID and it passed <laughs> over Texas into Tennessee, out into the Atlantic. Well, Tennessee prayed it into the Atlantic. The- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you guys see the TikTok I sent you right before we started recording? <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a video of the Texas governor. It's like it's like show me two videos that kind of give off the same vibe. And it's it's the Texas governor saying, We will fully reopen every business will be able to open at hundred percent capacity with no restrictions. Texas is fully open. <laughs> and then it goes to a video of Shrek and Lord Farquaad is like giving his address to all the people, and he's like, Some of you may die but it's a chance I'm willing to take. (laughs) (laughs) You may die. (laughs) I love it. All right, man. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. Uh, And and I love that you brought that positive energy to start off the show because hopefully we are getting to the end of all this. And and there have been crazy hard things that have gone along with this, but you know what? We keep it in perspective. There's been good things too. We started this podcast 
and, and for for a lot of people, even people like me, uh, it's been pretty cool to be with my family as much as I have because I usually travel a good bit. So uh, a lot of good Is things. Your head? We uh, no, never mind. Sorry. What I did? We started. We started this podcast with the slippery stairs challenge as sports on TV. Yes. Like, or, like, yes. or like the 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 coin flipping competition. And it was like they like they literally made an ESPN the Ocho so we could get sports on TV when everything shut down. Yeah, that was remember, a blue time. Remember our earliest guests, we were like, Do you think we might actually get some sports back at some point? <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm, shit. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're right. Hopefully we get back and we can get back into going to games and being around. Pe- I miss being around people like I would maybe wouldn't have said that before, but I just I miss being around people. I miss every once in a while being somewhere that's crowded just because like because oh, yeah. I haven't been able to be. Uh, but uh, hopefully we're coming out of it. So uh, even, yeah, when, even when even when people even when we people were still allowed to get together, I would like pass by bars in downtown and be like, Man, I miss going to the bar and getting hammered. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, gonna, right, right. Like, I'm old as shit now, and like, I like, I don't want to do it anymore. But like, I'll pass by it and be like, man, I just want to go in and get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You might find me in a bar when this thing opens. When everything's open up and I'm vaccinated and everything's good, you might you might find me bellied up somewhere. Hey, belly up sports. You might find me belly up somewhere, <laughs> just plowing some drinks. Uh, but yeah. The gang's all here. We're ready for a great episode. We got a lot of great things coming at you on this episode. It's going to be a really fun one here on episode 57. But before we get to that, obviously, it's St. Patrick's Day. What would St. Patrick's Day be without a special St. Patrick's Day edition of Garage Beers of the Week? Uh, And so we'll get going with that. Let's kick it off. I'm watching him drink his beer right now, so I'm going to send it over to Chad to start things off. Chad, what's your Garage Beer of the Week this week? Uh, Boys, it is. I mean, I know we've had him on the show uh, before, but... It is my first time having Great Lakes Brewing Company on this show. Nice. And and I am going with the Beer Wolf. Ooh. The Beer Wolf. Oh. And it's uh it's it's the Unt uh Dunkelweizen. It's, 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 it's the yeah. Oh yeah. And it has uh the cold brew coffee, chocolate, and orange peel creep. Deep into this heart of this German-style Dunkelweizen, <laughs> transforming a once traditional brew into a hauntingly decadent hybrid. Mm, yes, uh, and it's uh, it's delicious. To be honest with you, uh, I hate the taste of coffee, but uh, coffee and a beer just works well together. <laughs> it really does, and it's delicious. And I recommend it for anybody out there. Yeah, why don't you go drink your coffee beers? Back in those strip malls. <laughs> you know, that's great. I've, I've, I've seen that around and I'm glad to hear it's good because I've been tempted to buy it and I just haven't done it yet. So I'm glad you've, you've done that. I will have to go buy myself some of those. Uh, you transitioned us nicely. I was going to save this one, but he transitioned it right to you, Joe. Might as well. Uh, so, Joe, we're going to send it down to you for your garage beer of the week. I am pumped. And pumped. I wish I wish it was in uh, uh, car bomb form, but that might be coming later. It will be. This is Guinness's Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Ooh. And it's phenomenal. It's like, 
it's like just like a little 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 kiss of coffee, right? In a Guinness, and it still tastes like a Guinness. Um, it's not overwhelming coffee flavor. It's the only two things I could say. It'd go great. I don't know. We were talking about pretzels earlier. It would go great with a pretzel. <laughs> Just like a warm pretzel and cheese and the Guinness with coffee cold brew stout. Oh, uh, I can hear I can hear me getting fatter. <laughs> uh, my eating habit, when, when this pandemic's over and we go back out in public, my my eating habits are gonna be definitely suspect to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry, you're going for fourths? <laughs> uh sir, what can I get you? You see this right side of the menu? Mm, yeah, I'll have that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling a little hungry today. I'll just uh, go ahead and put the office. On, go ahead that? and put the office on TV and uh, give me a blanket. Thanks. Yeah, I need to feel at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm glad to hear the, yeah. the, the Guinness right. coffee nitro uh, is really really good. I was looking for that today, uh, but I they didn't have it uh, where I was looking for it. So uh, so I'm going to share with you my garage beer of the week. And it wouldn't be St. Patty's Day without the beautiful, the amazing, your classic Guinness Draft. Ooh, ah, yes. The deliciously dark red Guinness beer, which is my favorite fact of Guinness beer. That it's red? That most people don't know. Guinness is red. Hey. It is a red beer. I didn't know that. In, In true... Irish form, are you drinking it at room temperature? Uh, well, two things. One, bit of a myth. Two, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure not. Uh, I like a nice, I don't like it like an ice cold Guinness, but it's got to have a, it's got to have a, a bit of a chill to it. So it's just a nice, a, a delicious, creamy, uh, incredible Guinness. And I love I love that they've designed one of my favorite things that Guinness does with these cans, these draft stout cans is that they've designed them. So you can actually get like a decent Guinness pour. Cause you know, Guinness is like famous for you have to pour it a certain way. You, you actually have to be you in order to be like a real Guinness server, a bartender needs to be certified to pour Guinness the proper way. They have to like <laughs> take a course on it. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing. They've engineered their cans so where if you just take one of these cans and just turn it upside down completely and you fill your glass about three quarters of the way up, uh-huh. it'll settle like a normal Guinness. So you'll okay. get that cascading waterfall effect with the foam and all that. And then you go ahead and finish off your pour. And it's, it's like you've had a perfectly poured Guinness. It's really cool that they've done that. Oh, Guinness Ooh. science. <laughs> all right. Come learn a thing or two about uh about guinness on this beautiful saint patrick's day again uh it's been a minute since i've been down at the parade uh, i haven't gone in a while but i certainly now that i have kids that that's those are such good memories for me i don't know if you guys ever did that with your families but those are such good memories for me my family we would go down there was the the irish club the irish cultural center or whatever it was we'd go in there there'd be music and food and all that stuff and now that i have one kid and another one on the way. I'm excited to get like into the family element of like going to the parade and doing all that. I'm, I, I, I want that back. Did you guys do that when you were kids? I did. Yeah. But I wasn't able to leave school for it. Uh, really? Yeah. The public schools never got off. My mom, <laughs> my mom would have never, 
ever had me go to school on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah I always I, went to school on St. Patrick's Day. I skipped school <laughs> to go to go to it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't like, like my mom, my mom and dad didn't know, but I skipped school <laughs> to, to go to the parade and possibly get, you know, served. Uh, some, <laughs> you <just got> served. <laughs> you know, you know, some green not, sprites. Yeah, yeah. The bottle of Sprite is green, so of course I'm getting green sprites. I had I, I have to give credit, I have to give props and shouts out to my mom though. I had the coolest mom growing up. Cause like a St. Patrick's Day, she would just call my school and be like, Michael's not coming. <laughs> like, we are going down to St. Patrick's Day stuff. He's not gonna be there. Yeah. But she would also like, I'd be in school, especially when it was either early fall or late in this in the spring. And I'd be in school and like they'd be like uh, Michael, please come down. Your mom is here to pick you up. And I'd be like, what? And this was when I was young. I'd be like first, second, third grade, stuff like that. I'd be like, wait, why? And she'd be like, oh, come on, honey. We got to go to a doctor's appointment. And it'd be like 1130 in the morning. And we'd go get my mom's car. And then she'd just drive us down to the Indians day game that happened to be happening on that day. Uh, and we'd just go to the ball game. She'd pull me out of school to go to Indians ball games. So uh, shouts out to my mom for that. Hey, shout out Mama Keith. Yeah. Shout out Mama Keith. Oh, that's nice. That. So nice. So those are our garage beers. We've got one German beer on this yeah. silly Irish <laughs> holiday. Yeah, uh, yeah that's so silly. <laughs> we got Great Lakes, and then we got two variations of Guinness. We got the classic Guinness that I'm enjoying, plus that coffee nitro cold brew drink that sounds phenomenal that Joe's drinking. Those are our garage beers of the week. What are you drinking on this special St. Patty's Day edition of Garage Beers. Send us what you're drinking. Send us your beers of the week and give us some suggestions. We will feature those on the show as well. So now let's get into it. We've got a lot of great stuff, but first and foremost, we got to start with our special guest. We have an awesome interview. We talked with uh, the sideline reporter of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Angel Gray. She was fantastic, and we want you to check it out here right now. All right, so as we said before, we've got a really, really great special guest here on the Garage Beers podcast this week, as we seem to always have uh, awesome special guests. This one's great, though. Uh, a former star basketball player who made four consecutive appearances in the NCAA, NCAA tournament when she was playing college basketball. Uh, our guest has now been a basketball commentator at the highest level for more than a decade. You can find her roaming the sidelines for her own Cleveland Cavaliers. Welcome to the Garage Beers podcast, Angel Gray. Welcome, Angel. Thank you so much. I'm truly honored. I don't know how I can top or even come behind Andre Knott because he is a very interesting, um, amazing, and uh, just very, I don't know, like he's just the most amazing person I think I've met. Um, the so ener- the energy is infectious. <laughs> he's just awesome. Like his storytelling is just second to none. And he's just, he's even like a true athlete. And I'm learning so much about what he's done here in Cleveland, too. And so, yeah, I'm I'm just happy that you guys would ask me to be a part of this. Thank you. Oh, well, listen, we're grateful for you for taking your time uh, watching you over the past few years with the Cavaliers has been really cool. And, and, and the knowledge that you bring and the way you present it about the Cavaliers is awesome. So we're excited to have you uh, to talk a little bit about the Cavaliers, a little bit about yourself and, and all that. But let's start with our Cavaliers and let's celebrate for a minute. Uh, after a rough stretch after the All-Star break where the Cavs came out and just laid two eggs, big, horrible <laughs> eggs. The Cavaliers came out last night. Uh, Angel, was that 
I like they've they've played really good basketball in stretches this year. I, that might have been the best game I've seen them play this year. I think that was one of the best games I've seen them play. I think when they played against um, Detroit in that comeback game with them, I was stunned just how they were able to perform. Um, but with the pieces that Boston had, um, you know, in the game, I know that both teams were coming off back to backs, but that was the thing. The Cavs didn't look like they were playing a a back to back game. And they just came in with this attitude of, we have to save ourselves. I remember Coach Bickerstaff saying that no one is going to come and save us. We have to figure out how to improve ourselves. And you just saw how each person took a look in the mirror and said, how do I create some success for the team, the overall team? Darius was unbelievable. Colin Sexton was efficient. You know, JaVale McGee in the minutes that he was given, phenomenal on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, Okoro. Isaac Okoro. Isaac that was his best game. I, I think it, it's just so interesting because he had seven points in the fourth quarter. We talked about the emphatic yes. dunk that he had, you know, at the end of the game for the end one. But his job in his rookie season, I, I don't think enough people talk about how tough it is. Like these guys, when they're coming into the, to the league, they're used to playing collegiately. What, 30 games, you know, tops, you know, like even when you're going into the NCAA tournament. But you have breaks. You have different times to practice and get, you know, affiliated and just like uh, the chemistry is building with the, the pieces that you have there. He's thrown into the fire and guarding LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, you know, right. pick, pick, pick from Jason Tatum and, you know, Jalen Brown every single night and does not complain. And for him to step up, and we've seen it earlier in the season, too, but for him to step up offensively and have that was amazing. Yeah, it, it, uh, to me, that was his best game. And listen, uh, could not agree more that his job as a rookie is crazy hard. Come in and be the primary defender uh, in a season where you don't get breaks like you normally would in a regular season, in the shortened season where you're playing five games a week, uh, incredibly hard. But, you know, one of the things is you, you have to. In the NBA, you have to be able to at least produce something offensively. He's had a little struggle. That was the first time where I watched him and I went, that's how Isaac Okoro should look. He's slashing. He's finishing at the rim. They're – the other thing I noticed last night, they're letting him bring the ball up a little bit. Like, uh, you know, he was bringing the ball up. He had the ball in his hands more like he was so much more involved and he wasn't just standing outside waiting for a pass. Mm-hmm. And that that's how Isaac Okoro should look. And I, man, I thought he looked last night. I went, Oh, Oh man. If that's how Isaac Okoro is going to look, the Cavs are in a really good place with this player for a long time. They looked like they didn't hesitate. Right. They looked like right. they were playing free. All of them. Dean Wade was games. They were saying that, you know, I Colin Sexton, even the previous night was saying, I think we're hesitating. He said, even for me, there are times where I'm like, is this a good shot? Is this what I'm supposed to do here? And when they play hesitant, it's not so pretty. We saw that even in the 10 game losing streak. They're like, look, guys, this is tough. This is we're frustrated. We're trying to figure things out. But at the end of the day, we're not quitting on one another. And we know that we can get back to, you know, where we were. It's just us controlling the controllables, right? And it's them up top. Know that you can make the shots. You're getting the looks that you want. Now just having that free-flowing offense too. Larry Nance mentioned just having secondary playmakers. The impact that Larry Nance has on the floor is out of this world. He comes back in. He has a double-double last night. He's just so important. Darius Garland called him the glue. I know a lot of people look at Darius Garland and like, He's a floor general. He's a unifier on the floor. But for Larry, he just does the little things that really don't show up in the stat sheet. But his overall impact on the game, even just his presence, 
just really allows the team to do different things and trust in different things that they go after, going after steals, going after deflection, because they trust that the second line is going to protect them. Yeah, so let's talk about you, Angel, for a second, uh, because you joined the Cavaliers in 2018, but you were the play-by-play person for the the Los Angeles Sparks and the WNBA for uh, for a time before that. Was it hard to leave a play-by-play position? I mean, like, that's a lot of times for broadcasters. Andre not even said it. He was like, I wanted my whole life, I wanted to be a play-by-play, play-by-play. And then he talked about finding his niche now and how he loves his job and all that. Was it hard for you to leave a play-by-play position to come take a, the reporter position for the Cavaliers and, and talk about what it's like working with that broadcast team? Oh, man. Well, first off, let me tell you this uh, hopefully quick story. Um, I've been pretty much in the, the sideline or the analyst chair my, the majority of my career. And um, sideline more so for the WNBA, but analysts when I was doing college basketball with ESPN and CBS. And so it was very interesting um, when I left the Atlanta Dream because that's home base for me and I was working with them. I did a couple of analyst games, but they knew that I had that voice and just being a former player. And so when the Sparks, I had a relationship with the um, GM there at the time. She was like, we want you a part of the broadcast. And I was like, all right, awesome. <laughs> you know, just give me the details. And so I'm on vacation and uh, <laughs> she's like, all right, so we're sending you the contract. I see the contract and he says, play by play. And I'm like, hey guys, I'm just going <laughs> to send this back because this is not right. Like I'm so I'm the analyst. Like I think there was a mistake. And she was like, no, we believe you can do it. Um, are you up for it? Wow. And I had to take a minute to really sit on that. And I was nervous. That is not, I don't want people to think that you can just hop in and out of roles and it's, right. it's seamless. Right. It is tough. And I was nervous. And even to this day, I'm still nervous about my own job. So, <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me to jump into a chair where you have to, you know, pretty much uh, dictate everything and keep up the pace of everything, that's a different voice. And so that was very um, difficult for me to say yes, but I just remember the people around me saying, you got this, you know the game. And I always, that's always my foundation. You put the work in, you know the game, now build, now grow, now educate yourself on the other roles. And I talked to all the people I worked with and they gave me uh, different tips throughout the game. And I'm very appreciative of that. And just being a part of that women's basketball community, they knew my name already. It wasn't like I was trying to prove too much about like she actually knows the game so that helped me a great deal um it was one of the greatest things from my career because they always say you know if you don't feel uncomfortable you have to find ways to get uncomfortable in this business and um that was uncomfortable but it was a learning experience for me and i i greatly appreciated it one of my favorite jobs yeah i like how they were like uh no 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 we're just kidding you're gonna be in the main chair and you're going to just call all the action. Okay, is that something you're okay with? Or? <laughs> right. I was like, I don't know about this, guys. I'm I'm a little nervous about this. But it turned out to be amazing. Um, I didn't get to do it last year just with all the things that were going on with COVID and them going to the bubble. But just being able to cover women that you played with or against and yeah. um, just being in, in one of the biggest cities, uh, you know, calling games at the Staples Center, you know, that's just surreal, you know? And... Um, just meeting different people and just having other people in the business, um, especially at the national level, say, you got a future in this. And yes. and we hear you on the broadcast and you do a ph- phenomenal job. Hearing that from my peers um, was amazing because I, I know that for the fans, they want to they hear a good product. They want to know that you're putting the time in. And for someone to recognize that um, means a lot to me because it means I'm on the right on the right path. 
you, you brought something up and I'm skipping ahead on my little notes here, but you brought something up that I, I think is worthwhile for us to talk about. Uh, it, it's something that we've talked about with other guests on our podcast. Um, but you have recently posted about this. You were actually talking about it on the broadcast last night. I was watching the, the empower her oh, yeah. uh, thing that you did about women in sports and all of a sudden there's like women in sports day, which was really cool. Um, and, and you talked about, you know, you didn't feel like you really needed to prove yourself because, uh, those people knew you. They knew you from your time in college basketball. These are people you played with, the people that have broadcast your games, people that have, you've been around. How much does that go through as a broadcaster, as a sideline reporter in the NBA? How much does that still go through? Your, even though it shouldn't, mm -hmm. because you know more about basketball than 99% of people. Uh, how much does that still go through your head? And, and, and what have you, have you been watching some of this? Because here in Cleveland, we've got uh, a lot of things going on with women in sports. We've got women podcasters. Uh, we've got women sports people, and and, and that's how it should be. Uh, and and what kind of move? You know, what does that mean to you? That empower movement, and 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 how much is that weigh on your mind? I mean, I tell you what, it's it's just about being an example. It's it's. I heard a, a quote that said, "It's not just so much about being the first." When you're talking about women that are taking up space and occupying these positions that are predominantly um, male driven. It's about not being the last. And for me, I understand how important it is for me to take this um, position seriously because other people, you know, are looking and other people and women and young girls are like, I want to be that. Like when you see it, it's great, but I'm not the first. So it's just also taking the time to have enough pride about your job to say, okay, in this space, I am creating for the next person. And so I think it's just very important for me to always, you know, step up to the table and, and have something to deliver. This game is all like I grew up in a sports family. I'm one of six. We all competed. Thanksgiving and Christmas wasn't just about, you know, getting together and gifts and food. We were competing. We had like, you know, <laughs> flag football games and we were competitive and didn't talk for like hours because someone lost or, you know, dropped the ball. That's how you get I no work. Thanksgiving dinner if you don't win the turkey bowl. No, you, if, yeah, right. and you're the clown about it. We've done like little clips about it. It's still in our group chat. Like those are things that um, just were innate for me. And so I just feel like when people say, oh, go in the kitchen, the, the random people that probably live in their mom's basement um, <laughs> and never competed, you know, a day of their lives, they don't understand. Like this sports has been a part of my life and others, a part of their life forever. It's what we know. It's what we've grown up on. And so, like, I feel like as much as I've given the sport right now, it's giving back because it's allowing me to talk about it and, you know, be around people and share the stories and experience different things and cover the best, you know, athletes in the world um, and not necessarily have to go out there and roll an ankle. So I'm I'm so, so happy that, you know, women are being um, amplified. You know, women are being celebrated. There's so many women and their stories, especially in the Cavaliers organization, top five in the NBA, as far as um, top level, you know, roles given. And just being a part of a franchise that celebrates that and the voice that we have um, is incredible. And it's, it's, it's gratifying. It's, it's amazing to be a part of it. Well, it's cool too, because it creates steps. Again, for me, I, I have a family like that. I, my sister is a, a thousand times the athlete uh, that I ever was. Uh, and so I come from a family like that. Uh, and I think what you're doing is cool too, because it, the sad thing is there still has to be that little justification, right? Like, well, she played college basketball, so she knows. 
But what you're doing is opening it up for the person that isn't going to be a college athlete. Mm -hmm. And there are other people that are like that. There are broadcasters that are like that, but there needs to be more of, there doesn't need to be a justification. She's good at what she does and she can do it at any level. And and I think it's cool that you open that door. So uh, again, it was cool. I saw your sweatshirt and did they ever let you put that on last night? I didn't notice. It's so funny. Like I, I, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to cause this whole uproar. I literally was just like, I'm just going to wear my own clothes. But when I saw the sweatshirt, I was like, I'm putting this on. Like, are we good to wear it? And I text him. I was like, I hope I didn't throw anybody under the bus. I I'm not going to wear it right now, but <laughs> two texts later, they're like, if you want to wear the sweatshirt, wear the sweatshirt. But at the I was end sitting of here day, watching like, put it on, do put it. it on. I should have did a poll. Like, put the sweatshirt on. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I thought it was it was really cool um, just throughout that entire game to to see the women that were celebrated and even the name of it, Women Who Rock. And yeah. I know about the WNBA team that used to be here with the Cleveland oh, yeah. Rockers. I am a huge advocate of bringing the WNBA team back here in Cleveland. I think that would be so awesome. We see Lindsay Gottlieb on the sidelines, you know, yeah. just being a rock star, literally uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. She actually recruited me while I was in uh, high school. Oh, cool. And um, I followed her when I did some some work with UCLA and covering her when she was at Cal um, in the Pac-12. So it's just so interesting how you can see other women in their journey and how it almost brings you back together. You know, yeah. so it's it's just awesome being able to celebrate with uh, like-minded women. Awesome. Uh, real quick, back to the Cavaliers. So in your mind, because this we're still in this rebuild, right? You're seeing this Jekyll and Hyde, right? You're seeing this young team that some nights is lost, just completely lost that that pelicans game was hard to watch and then you see teams like a team like last night where huge lead other team makes a comeback if you would have told me that they were playing the celtics and and jason tatum was going to catch fire the way he did everything he was throwing up was going in Mm -hmm. and they were still going to win that game uh you see this team that can be can compete with anybody in your mind moving forward what's the what's the piece They're, they're missing probably several pieces but what's the piece, the biggest thing that this team's missing to be to really contend at this point? You know what? I, I've been asked this question a couple of times, but if I can divert just a bit and just talk sure. about what they've built, because when you are building, you have to lay the right foundation. So the pieces that they do have, we're seeing Darius Garland come into his own. We saw even the trade with Jared Allen you know, and what that core is going to look like, Isaac Okoro coming together. So it's hard for me to say what that missing piece is when they're still developing right now, you know? And so, yeah, I want to say, yeah, we need that person that can knock down the three consistently on the outside. We need a stretch four that can be solid and, you know, you know, can get things done and versatile on both ends of the floor. But I think we're seeing this team really build the confidence of what they can be even. You know, we've seen this roller coaster ride throughout the season because not only this is like no other season we've ever seen, you know, playing in a pandemic and, you know, what that prevents you from doing. When you have a young team, you're not even on the practice floor. You know, these guys right. don't have shoot around after the all-star break, you know, because of the um, post-all-star COVID-19 uh, testing you know, right. rules. So now Colin's like, that throws me off of rhythm. You see yes. him shooting after the game. He wants to be in the gym. That gets you into a rhythm. So yeah. you're seeing more and more of these guys taking advantage of those opportunities to shoot because they don't get it. So I think at this point, I just want to see the pieces that they do have build that culture. So other people are like, I see what they're doing in Cleveland 
and I want to be a part of it. I think Coach Bickerstaff has been absolutely amazing. His staff has been awesome with laying that foundation and his mantra even coming in, the most competitive team, the most selfless team. We've seen it dip up and down throughout the season. But at the end of the day, um, that has to be the footing. That has to be the groundwork. And just even with the game last night, people are tweeting me, I want to see that every single night. And I'm like, join the club. I yeah. think they want to see it every <laughs> night too. I think they want to see it every night too. And if we can have more of those games where everyone's celebrating and understanding what they're doing right, but pieces coming in and out, healthy pieces like in and out, yeah. not sure what's going on with rotations, that's tough. But those are the growing pains of a, of a young team. So if we can prevent you from taking those like large beer cups and drink them after every game and sobbing, then yeah. that's that's the moral that's that's what where everyone is wanting (laughs) yeah so a couple rapid fire uh Cavs questions and then we want to just spend a minute uh talking about a little March Madness and especially the women's tournament uh but a couple quick uh rapid fire questions uh you brought up the rockers before what are your thoughts on the Cavaliers What, what are your thoughts on this rock and roll font logo and and floor and all that do you like it I love it I absolutely love it like it's so weird like I think the font is interesting. When I first saw it, I was like, "Yeah, I'm kind of confused." But once they understood, yes. once I got the background of like each piece being playing a part, I was like, "All right, cool. I see. I like. I like what you did there." Um, the floor is amazing. I think with each thing that I am seeing, even in the city edition, I'm learning more about Cleveland. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's it's awesome. I like it a lot. It's the first time for me. Cause I think they overplay the rock and roll thing a lot of times and everything yeah. has a guitar in it and you're like, okay, another guitar. It's the first time for me where they put out a rock and roll thing. And I was like, okay, that has a story and it's cool. Yeah. So cool. I'm glad to hear that. Okay. Your favorite basketball player of all time. Whoa. That is a tough one. Um, I'll, I'll do this female, uh, Cynthia Cooper, yes. uh, male. That is tough. I'd have to say it's so strange, but Jamal Crawford is one of my favorite people. Wow. Um, but I think the greatest of all time right now was Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, you know, you haven't been traveling now in a couple, so you really only spent your first year traveling around with the team. Uh, first, a year and a half. Yep. For, yeah. Uh, what city do you miss the most from traveling around with the team? New York. Um, New York is just like, I'm, it's my spirit animal. Like, I, I just love that. It never, <laughs> it never sleeps. Everyone's up. Like, there's some type of, you know, dive bar or just, you know, great music, great food, great energy. Um, and the shopping is great. So my pockets are really happy right now. Yeah. I've been to New York. I'm doing well in that department. <laughs> what city, and we don't mean to make this personal, but what city don't you miss the most? <laughs> I hate to say this. I... I I don't miss Memphis. We got stuck there doing a wow. storm. I've never really enjoyed my time in Memphis. I spent a couple of, uh, you know, games there, even when I was doing college basketball um, for the American <laughs> or the athletic. And um, yeah. I, I just, it's, it's not it something for about Memphis. It's just not for me. I'm not sold on the barbecue. I don't know. something. I just don't Doesn't like do Memphis. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. Real quick. Did you hear recently because this made a little bit of news. Uh, Shaq and Candace Parker had a conversation. Yes. Where Shaq told Candace Parker he thinks the WNBA should lower rims. 
What were your thoughts on that comment? And did you hear Candace's response and your thoughts on uh, what I thought was, well, I'll let you give your thoughts first. I think Shaq could speak louder when he's doing a broadcast. Like we all have our own opinions. You know? <laughs> yes. So at the end of the day, like Candace is one of the absolute best. That's my girl. And her response, I know her facial expressions are worth a thousand words, but her response simply, nah, nah. Oh, and, and you know, just period. Just I, I think that's her opinion because there are other women that say, yeah, like lower the rim. Let's all bang on the on the rim, you know, and make it, you know, entertaining if that's what people want. But the game is entertaining enough, you know. Um, and I, I just think that you know, it it's it varies on each person. But I think for her, um, don't take away, you know, just the game like this is what we've grown up on we've given you a good product on this rim so it's like are you saying we're taking away from it for lowering it is very interesting but i do think other people have their opinions i don't think they should lower the rims um i i just i really don't but other players are like you know what it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt and i wouldn't mind dunking here and there so we'll see 50, i mean 50. i am dunking right <laughs> like you know you know and this is dunking Candace is dunking. You know, we got other people dunking, but yeah, I, I think it'll be it'll it'll test the waters as far as creativity. I will give you that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that that's her opinion. She's like, I don't think we have to. I've been there, done that. You know, so that there's. That. I love how she, I love how she said. I think she said like one of my kids. When my kids grown up enough to be playing basketball, they're going to be doing drop step dunking like it, it's nothing. So just shut up about it. And I right. Love that. I know. I know Layla. Layla's on the way. Like her daughter. <laughs> I know she's in the dance and soccer right now, but I want to go see her play. Like she played before the team, um, <laughs> before the Sparks play one time. We were there cheering her on. Um, I don't know if it's going to be her drop stepping dunking, but I'll tell you what, she's so incredible. She has a great um, example in front of her for Candace. And I just think it's one of those things like, We've grown up on this idea of anything you can do, I can do better. So you just want to make sure that you can prove, hey, I can do this too, you know, so. All right, Candace. Well, or, sorry, Candace. Jesus, Angel. Wow, there she goes. I don't mind. I'll tell her. I'm like, hey, someone call me Candace. <laughs> what do you feel about that? Right, right. Jesus. Uh, it's right. Uh, I, was anyway. calling the, I was calling the Cavs the Browns or the Browns the Cavs all night. It happens. It happens. I blame, rainy it, day. It's okay. I, I blame it on COVID in this quarantine. Just, yeah. No, uh, yeah. it, it went in doubt. Do that. Okay, Angel. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into uh, some March Madness a little bit here. You know, you were a four-year player at Florida State uh, where you made the NCAA tournament all four years, the Sweet 16 twice, and the Elite Eight once. Uh, or how closely are you still able to follow women's college basketball? And uh, do you get a little excited this time of year? I love this time of year. Um it's so crazy because obviously with our schedule, especially in this season, it's so crazy. Like we got five games in seven days coming up that like you can't really do much or watch anything outside of the NBA and your next opponent. But it is the absolute the most amazing thing to go through to sit and just wonder, are you going to get in? There was one of those years where we were like, we didn't make it. We just we weren't good enough. And I remember going through the ACC tournament. um, and just thinking, even though we lost to Duke, we showed this, you know, committee what we're all about. And we got in, and it's just that idea of clean slate. Let's just go out there. We have nothing to lose. And we were that underdog the first year. And it was cool going to Stanford. They were a number two seed, I believe. They were hosting. And 
they thought we were just going to show up and just be happy about being a part of the dance. And we beat them on their floor. And everything that went into that was just absolutely amazing. Like, I didn't play in that game because I had torn my ACL um, during ACC play or right before. So just to be a part of that and see how much work that you put in um, actually come to fruition is amazing. And then just going to the Elite Eight and doing things that the franchise or, you know, the, the team has never done before is incredible, you know, and that's something that no one can ever take away. I do say sometimes like, dang, we, we never made it to a final four, but I mean, it was always UConn. <laughs> so it's like, oh, if, we, if, we lost UConn, if we lost the UConn, then it's just like that blame it. Well, there's that. <laughs> but um, I, I can say that those are the stories that we always talk about. Like we always go back to those moments where we beat St. John's on our floor, or, you know, buzzer beating shots and, you know, remember when so-and-so, you know, tried to go up and dunk and, and did that, and this and that. So th- that's some of my favorite um, stories even now for March Madness, but it, it's it's going to be exciting. I know there's a lot of uh, different women right now. I'll talk the women's game, South Carolina. I love them. Oregon, um, not Oregon, but um, uh, UConn, obviously amazing. And NC State getting a number one overall uh, seed as well. I think that's very, very impressive. Yeah, who was the... If you look back at your time at Florida State, who's the who's the player that just gave you fits? Who was like the the player that just ran you ragged? You know what? Because I felt like we played UConn every year. It was Maya. Like I always had to guard oh. Maya, and I knew Maya. Like we grew up, you know, in the same state, so we played her in high school, and like seeing him play, and like then you have to play her, and it's just like that. Blame it. But Maya was just so good. And um, it, it was just tough. I think another one, um, give her her flowers, Monica Wright. She played for Virginia. One of the most um, athletic, just amazing guards um, in Virginia history and just play, went on to play at the WBA. But she was tough. So, yeah, I mean, that that's probably some of my favorite um, stories just between those two. Well, this is fun. It's it's a it's a great time talking some women's basketball. Uh, I have to say, when I was at, I, I went to Bowling Green for school. When I was there, the women's basketball team was really the only successful sports. Oh yeah, team that, they're amazing. Uh, and I remember going to. We went to every game. They were running in the tournament. I think they hit the Sweet Sixteen one year. It was awesome. Uh, uh, but it, it's it's been a fun throwback. Real quick. Again, you brought up a little bit this, of this year's tourney. You've talked about some of the number ones. Obviously, Baylor is the defending mm-hmm. champ. Uh, they're on a 17-game win streak mm-hmm. uh, after a bit of a slow start. you got Stanford, and everybody just talks about their depth. I mean, they're just a good team, and then UConn is UConn. And we'll see what Gino, you know, he's he's out. We'll see what he matters to he's that. Health and uh, safety protocol. Yeah, I, I yeah. think um, just overall – I'm excited about a good tournament. I know that a lot of people coming in um, in years past are saying, oh, it's old UConn. But now it's like, I just have no idea. I would like to see Dawn Staley get another championship. I love the fact that she's, you know, establishing a culture and doing something different in South Carolina and being able to win and seeing Asia Wilson go on in the sport that she has in the WNBA. So, I mean, Baylor has been phenomenal. Um, Stanford, Will Stanford, <laughs> you know, UConn. Yeah, right, UConn. right. But hearing these other stories about other teams coming up, and I think we need more of that, you know, that Cinderella type storyline when it comes to the to the women's game and for it to be less predictable. So I'm excited about watching it this year. Look out for my other alma mater. 
the Texas A&M Aggies. They're oh, coming. We Coach them. Gary Blair. Love them. I remember when they won. Um, it was amazing. Sydney Colson was one of those players that just seeing her and seeing her thrive, we beat them. I think that was the highest ranked team we beat at our home um, in, in team history. And it was, it was amazing because I think they were undefeated and number three in the country. And they thought they were going to walk in Tallahassee at the Donald Tucker Center and win. And then we, we ran them off the floor. It was a lot of fun. I think we were down 17 points. Wow. That game. It was a phenomenal game. <laughs> well, I liked you up until now. Up until now. Having fun. Uh, all right. Well, I think I know you got to work, so we're going to it's it's basketball season. We'll let you get back to work. Chad, you got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, man. I'm uh, the reason I have my video off right now. I'm in the car because your boy's going to get his first vaccine shot. Hey. First win <laughs> of the day. I got to leave in an hour to go get mine. So I'm with you, Chad. That's awesome, right. guys. Congratulations. Angel Gray, go follow her on her social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter and all that. And obviously you can catch her Fox Sports Ohio covering the Cavs games, doing a great job. Angel, it was so much fun talking some Cavs. It was fun talking some women's basketball. We hope to have you on again sometime. Thank you for taking the time to join us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Thanks so much for having me. You guys have an awesome day. And that was the amazing awesome angel gray great stories about her time playing college basketball uh, and obviously filling us in with some amazing Cavs knowledge she's awesome at her job and uh and she hooked us up with some amazing stuff there in that interview our thanks again go out to angel gray you can catch her on fox sports ohio as she's covering the cavaliers uh, and i'm sure many more big things ahead for angel uh so guys what's cool about it is uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. The Cavs are playing. They're putting together one of their best games now. Granted, there's still a quarter and a half left, and the Celtics are catching fire right now. But the Cavs are, like, whooping on the Celtics. And after the last couple games, which have been incredibly rough to watch, this is really good to see. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 nice to see that they are able to overcome some sort of adversity, uh, you know, and come back because, you know, Cavs teams of the past, you know, whether it be the post, you know, the, the first post LeBron era or, or, you know, this post LeBron era cast teams would, would just sort of pack it in, but you know, this t- team under JB Bickerstaff, you know, it shows fight. You know, I know they've had some really, really rough games, but they've been able to show that they've been able to bounce back uh, uh, from those at some point, you know, whether they lose two straight, eight straight, three straight, whatever they, they, they still show effort. The fight is still there where it wasn't in the past. So I, I do have to give them kudos for that. Well, hey, with with about five minutes to go in the third quarter, the Cavaliers are uh, up on the Celtics by 14, uh, and they're playing really well, so we'll see what happens. But uh, enough on the Cavs, enough on the basketball talk. The other thing that happened today, the NFL league season started today on St. Patrick's Day, and there have been plenty of moves, plenty of things for us to talk about. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about our Browns. We're going to talk about what's happened around the NFL, but we got to start with some breaking news that just happened here tonight while we were podcasting. Joe, you need like a a breaking news sound to put in here? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I would use that. That is perfect. You guys make my job so easy. Breaking news time. (laughs) Uh, and this is going to make a lot of Caval- or Cavaliers. No, I'm, I'm watching Easy. the Cavs talking. A lot of Browns fans happy. It just came over the Twitter wire. The Cleveland Browns are re-signing Hollywood Higgins. Wide receiver Hollywood Higgins signing a one-year de- deal to remain in Cleveland for the next year. Boys, that's good news. That's exciting. Yeah, 
Let's run it back, baby. One year, <laughs> $2.38 million contract, fully guaranteed. Rashard Higgins coming back to the Browns. Uh, 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 the receiver with arguably the, the best chemistry uh, with Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, you a lot of Browns fans wanted to see him back, and Browns fans are getting their wish. And, I, you know, I just think it is, uh, this is, it, it's a great move uh, for Andrew Barry and the Cleveland Browns. Knock on wood, are we bringing back the entire offense this year so far? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. Yeah. The entire offense. I was trying to think of any of the tackles or linemen. Had... Nope. No? Yeah. No, they're all. That, that's huge. Yeah. What has that happened? What have we been able to build from year to year without completely dismantling our offense, our offensive scheme and system and players and quarterback? Yo, guys, this that's actually such a good point, Joe. And it's crazy. But like all the way down to like your backup wide receiver, like Kaderil Hodge, and like they're all coming back. Yeah. The only thing you need to do is sign some offensive linemen, some backup offensive linemen. But the whole starting core, guys, is back. It's, it's, you know, we thought that in season, this is like, this is like stuff with the Browns that we're not going to get that, like, you know, we weren't used to. Like, we weren't used to winning. We weren't used to competent quarterback play. You know, we we weren't used to having you know dominant running backs with a dominant offensive line. Guys, that entire staff is that entire the whole coaching staff, the entire offense is back. It's back. This is well, stability. This is what we've been clamoring for in 20 years is stability. Oh, my God. Well, that's two things, guys. Two things that happened today, and more things happened today, but two things that happened today specifically for the offense. One, obviously, we're talking about this Hollywood signing. And make no mistake, Baker likes throwing the ball to Hollywood. Like, And Hollywood is really good at catching the ball and making plays for his quarterback, and he showed it all year last year. But the other thing that happened today – the league year started and the Browns made no moves with David Njoku. And so David Njoku's contract be- became fully guaranteed for the year. He's going to be back with the Cleveland Browns this year. Um, maybe I'm making a bigger deal out of it. Cause I know we got Hooper and uh, you know, I, I know we got Harrison Bryant and all that. Like I, I still just, there's this thing and, and, and Njoku showed it towards the end of the year and into the playoffs. Certainly he played great in the playoffs he still showed me as I watched those three guys play, I still think he's got the highest upside of all of them. And, and I'm excited that he's going to have a chance in a contract year, a real contract year. I hope he has a chance to really break out. I I'm, I'm excited to have Najoku back. Like literally everybody is back. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this plays out because I mean, you paid Austin Hooper $44 million over four years. Now, I mean, I know, uh, you know, Njoku is going to get his snap. You know, he's going to get his opportunities. But when you sign a tight end to that type of contract, you're going to play him. He's going to be the primary tight end. But, you know, in, but you're right, though. Njoku, there's this thing with Baker. You know, it, it seemed like there were two people. It seemed like there were two people that Baker looked for in the clutch. <laughs> and that was Rashard Higgins and David Njoku, especially late in the season. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be, like you said, Mike, it's going to be a chance for Njoku to, 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 show, to show what he's got. I mean, I mean to, to show that he can reach his potential. Well, I mean, he's, I, got, he's got $6 million guaranteed this next season. So uh, I would imagine we're going to be seeing a little more jokes than we did last year. 
Yeah, listen, and 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 Austin Hooper's fine. He's a good player, but I I don't think he played like the top ever paid tight end that we made him last year. Uh, and he he had his cases of kind of disappearing or dropping the ball. Harrison Bryant looked fine. Uh, again, there's there's this wow factor to Najoku, especially when it comes to the receiving game, right? Because there's more to playing tight end than just catching the ball. But in that area of catching the ball, man, he he came through big for this team several times. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to have him back, and I think I think there's also motivation. He's like Joe said. You made a good point. They're going to pay him money. They're going to play him, and it's a contract year, so he's going to have to show his value. And a couple of years now into the league, I, I think it's coming. I think there's a breakout coming from David Njoku. He's one of those players that you just feel it coming because he's got all that potential there. What was your reservation? Let me ask you this. What was your reservations about Hooper? Uh, because he, you know, because I had this conversation with a friend the other day too, but what, what's your, what, what made you kind of go eh, like on Hooper? Not a lot. I'll say not a lot. Okay. He dropped the ball more than a guy that plays his way should drop the ball. Okay. Uh, meaning he's not the freak athletic gifted guy going to break away, do stuff like that. Uh, he needs to make the sure catches. When it's, okay. when it's third and seven and he's open down the field for 12 yards and he gets hit with a great pass and he drops it, that stuff can't happen. When you're going to okay. be the player that Hooper is, he's got to be – the sure-handed guy out there making plays. Um, and again, okay. he's not uh I mean that's I mean that's the same knock on on Njoku. Oh, well, the knock is the same, but the playing style is different. Here's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Austin Hooper is that guy that needs to kind of box out a defender to get position to make catches. You see that happen all the time. Yeah. He'll run a little button hook route and just kind of box out his defender and catch the ball. And Baker knows that he just mm-hmm. needs to throw the ball to him and he'll get room and make it happen. Yeah. Njoku is like the the big play guy. Njoku is the guy that you can get the ball down the field to, that he can go up. You're not going to see Austin Hooper like going up 10 feet in the air making a catch. You're not going to see Austin Hooper doing a lot of that stuff. And Njoku, you will. He might be a little more prone to drops because he is a little bit more of a a big play receiving threat than Hooper is. How much of that do you think is uh, um, like – ability versus play calling because you know i watched um kevin stefanski's press conference i think it was like two weeks ago that he had and he was you know talking really big about how you know he wants to continue to grow with what we have in the offense um but this offense next year is going to look different for lack of a better term because they're going to add new elements add new things i think when kevin stefanski originally came over from Minnesota. We're like, okay, he's going to run a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of uh, passes to the tight ends. Um, a lot of plays are going to run through them. And I feel like we didn't necessarily really see that last year. And I wonder if that's maybe just part of his idea of progressing this offense was, you know, go with our strengths with last year was running. And this year might be more of a plan to integrate those tight ends a little more into the passing game. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there. Uh, uh, on the play calling, uh, Joey, because this is this is the conversation I had with my friend. People like people are worried about the Hooper production uh, factor because they don't think his production was worth the ten million dollars. But also, you got to remember this is also going to be Hooper's second year 
in a, in a different yes. in, in this Stefanski offense. And that Atlanta offense that he came from was way more vertical than this Kevin Stefanski offense. There was a lot more downfield opportunities in that Atlanta offense than than Hooper. You know, I agree. He does he does need to make the short catches uh, a little bit more next year. But if you guys, but it, uh, that's I guess that was my whole point. If you're worried about like if you didn't see the oh where's the sixty six catch eight hundred yard tight end that we paid $10 million for. I, I, you know, I think part of it is the scheme. Like part of it is this Stefanski scheme. He's not, it's, it's not a downfield scheme, especially for tight ends. No. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to knock Hooper. I think Hooper had a good season. I think again, he's got some things to clean up and that's fair to say. However, again, when just talking about David Njoku, it, it, again, if you ask me who the guy with the biggest upside is, I mean, he's got so much potential because of his athleticism and what he can do, uh, there aren't many tight ends in football that can do what he does. Uh, yeah, so I agree with that. If he I can get his stuff together and he can continue to be yeah! a catch and, Jesus. You good, Bless dude. you, chap. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think I just that, left brain matter on my wall. Yeah, was, <laughs> you, you're going to need a blessing after that up. one. <laughs> I think I just threw up. Uh, anyways, uh, lastly, in terms of players that they've kept, it also came out today that um, they kept uh, – who they keep? Malcolm Smith? Uh, yeah. They re-signed Malcolm yes. Smith, linebacker, yeah. uh, to a deal, which I liked because I think Malcolm Smith was one of our uh, – was one of our probably most productive linebackers, and I, I'm hoping they bring back, bring back Malcolm Smith with an opportunity to be more a more impactful role in that defense. Uh, yeah. But – Here's what else has happened in free agency so far. Obviously, day one of the uh, the tampering period, which is the dumbest thing, uh, the Browns made an absolute splash. People waited for a while. A, a lot of people kind of, I think, thought that the Browns were com- going to come out just dropping money, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it took a minute for the Browns to make their first kind of, uh, <laughs> or for the media to report the first Browns move. But when they did, man, it was a big one. The Browns sign safety from the Rams, John Johnson, the third boys. What are your thoughts on that? Oh God. You know, when I first saw the signing, I was like, okay, what the hell is this? Like I knew he was one of the, I knew he was regarded as one of the premier safeties in the league, but then, oh my God, the more and more I read up on this guy, the more and more I absolutely love him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Like, do you know in 3,000, he's played 3,490 snaps in his four-year NFL career, Mike. He's been flagged twice. I didn't know that. (laughs) No way. In those those 3,490 snaps, he's been flagged (laughs) twice. Is that bad? Wow. Okay, and and, and then there was the whole Brown safeties stat. They had like a, a 48 grade from pro football focus and then then john johnson the third had like an like an 89 which was third among all safeties and he's only and the brown safeties gave up 12 touchdowns i mean should i keep going they give up 12 touchdowns when they were the main coverage guy on on targets okay all right john johnson the third only gave up one (laughs) come on what's there not to like this guy and not i mean not to mention like you, you hear nothing but about but about how he was the leader on that defense. He was calling the defense. He was reliable. He has a huge physical skill set. He plays in the box. He plays out of the box. He can cover. He can really play anywhere on the field. There is nothing, literally nothing, not to like about this guy. 
Uh, and you know what else he did? He was the leading tackler for the Rams last year. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Yeah. And now you oh. put him in a room with Ronnie Harrison, who's still young. Mm-hmm. You put him in a room with Grant Telpit, who hasn't seen a offense or a defensive snap in the NFL. Like that is a phenomenal safety room and a room that will hopefully build for the future with that three-year deal. Well, and here's the other thing. I forgot this. I I, I forgot this. He, and talk about things that we're not used to. He took significantly less money to to because he wanted to come to Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) We're not used to guys wanting to come to Cleveland. No, listen, it's uh, it did come out that the somebody took it and ran with it, that nobody ever said he took significantly less money, uh, that they just said oh, he had right. other offers. And then somebody was like, oh, that means he had more money available. And that maybe wasn't true. However, uh, here's what's cool, right? You talked about Ronnie Harrison. You talked about uh, Grant Delpit. And now we're talking about John Johnson, the third. Uh there's going to be a lot of times where you see all three of those guys out on the court or out on the field at the same time, because that's, we've talked a lot about linebackers because I do believe in linebackers, except for when you've got a plan and the Browns have a plan. The reason I brought up tackles because you don't normally bring up tackle numbers, especially when it comes to defensive backs, it's not usually a stat that matters all that much, except for the situation that the Browns are going to have. The Browns are going to be running three safeties out there a lot. And effectively, John Johnson is going to be working as a safety slash nickel slash nickel linebacker. Uh, Ronnie Harrison will be working that way, too. These guys are going to be rotating in run defense, in pass defense. They're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. So you've got two guys now that are kind of jack of all trades. And that's what Grant Delpit's supposed to be as well. I Joe, I think you're right. I think. Grant Delpit was the player I was most looking forward to watching on the Browns last year. And then he, boom, he knocks his Achilles and he's, and he's out. He's going to be back in time for the beginning of the year in time for camp and all that. I think there is big noise to be had. And, and, and then you talk about Denzel Ward. Then you mm-hmm. talk about greedy Williams and it is still rumored that they're in the market for a corner like that defensive backfield. Uh, it's looking really good uh, for next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, with with any with all the rumors out there too about, I mean, it's like I mean, and with all the corners that are still left out there, the Browns can strike a deal with one of these experienced guys like an Adoree Jackson or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I I also think that cements like defensive line or or linebacker or like edge like that that front seven in the draft, guys. This is there's so much there's so many exciting things happening for the Browns. It's it's just awesome. Well. So then they also, you know, the thing that I think a lot of people started worrying about with the Browns is we talk about elsewhere in the NFL too. A lot of outside linebackers and edge rushers started falling off the board that first day, right? So you saw you yeah. saw Shaq Barrett right off the bat. Shaq Barrett was like the first one that was like, hey, I'm going back to Tampa. You saw uh, Romeo Aquara uh, from Detroit. He, he signs a deal. You see... Bud Dupree signs an $82 million deal in Tennessee. Yeah, way to go, Texas. Tennessee is sounding like crazy, by the way. Or Tennessee, I mean. (laughs) Carl Lawson, uh, he leaves Cincinnati to go to the Jets. And then 
so Cincinnati turns around and they bring in Trey Hendrickson and all these kind of bigger name pass rushers are falling off the board. And I'm just out here watching Cavs fans in a meltdown about Browns how fans. are we not getting these guys? How are we? Bro, yeah, I'm on the Cavs tonight. Dude, stop, we did. How are we not getting? How are we not getting this guy? How are we not getting that guy? With a very just showing a little bit of a non understanding of how things are going to work when you want to resign Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and uh, you know your main players. You got to have some cap space. You can't spend it all in one time. Anyways, uh, think about right. this though. There's still you talked about corners that are out there and available. The Browns went out and got uh, Tack McKinley, who yeah. is a really, really productive pass rusher. I don't think they're done there with pass rushers, though. You still have other kind of veteran players that are out there waiting for deals. Melvin Ingram, Carlos Dunlap, Jadevian Clowney. We've talked about Jadevian Clowney. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I love the thought of him because I don't know how much he's ever going to play ever again. Uh, but he's out there. Justin Houston's out there. Ryan Kerrigan's out there. Guys that have been really good, really productive pass rushers in this league and guys that aren't going to be looking, they're not going to get huge contracts because they're not necessarily in that beginning of the prime of their career. So there's still really productive players out there to be had for the Browns. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think, I think they're in such a good spot between probably bringing in another pass rusher. I would imagine another one of these guys hits in free agency and you've got the draft. Oh, and you've got the draft. Like, yeah. it, there's just a lot. There's just a lot of great things happening, and it all starts around the fact that you don't have to be doing the same thing the Browns have done every year. You're not worried about your quarterback. You're not worried about what wide receiver they're bringing. It. It's just like, hey, let's work on this defense so it doesn't suck again next year. And this is going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, you mentioned Tack McKinley. I mean, Tack McKinley, that was an ultimate low risk, high reward uh, type deal. I mean, he's coming off a, he's coming off a major groin injury, uh, you know, and, you know, I tweeted about it, you know, at worst, you know, at worst, he's a nice depth guy. At worst, he's a nice depth guy. You brought him in for one year, four million. And he's 25 years old. With a chance to get the six, with a chance to get the six million, you know, and at, and again, like I said, and at, at, the best, he revives his career opposite Miles freaking Garrett. You know, you could get like a 33-year-old Ryan Kerrigan on a one-year deal on the other side of Miles. And yeah, I mean, it's it's going to open up things for him. You know, it's going to open. Whoever is on the other side of Miles, if you're, a, if you're somewhat of an effective pass rusher, you're going to get home. You're going to have yeah. chances. You're going to have chances to get home. And so, I, I, yeah, like, like you mentioned, all those guys you mentioned that are still available, Mike, uh, any of them can be effective with Miles Garrett on the other side of them. It's just a matter of if they want to, you know, it's yeah. just a matter of their effort. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think there's, I think there's still some exciting things to happen with the Browns, you know, like yeah. I said, and I think, I do think a, maybe a linebacker like a Zaven Collins you know, it could be coming with, especially with the way that this defensive backfield is shaping out now too. I, I really think the front is the front seven is, is really what, cause there's also uh Gary on Conley uh, rumors out there that the Browns are, are, are looking at are, are close to a deal or wow. something like that. So with the way this Browns defensive backfield, they're shaping the Browns defensive backfield. It really kind of speaks to, you know, the front seven is what they're going to address in the draft. I guess well, I'm traveling, whatever. They certainly still have work on the defensive line, right? Because you did lose uh, Larry Ogunjobi's a free agent, so we don't know where Larry Ogunjobi's going to be. 
so we don't know if he's back with the Browns or not. Uh, yeah. So if he's, you, you kind of have to work under the assumption he's not. So you, you're going to have to work on that tackle sp- uh, spot, that inside lineman spot. Uh, you know, Tag McKinley, if nothing else, it replaces Adrian Claiborne and Olivier Vernon. Neither one of them, I think, are going to be back. So he replaces one of those spots. But you got work to do. You're going to need another interior defensive lineman. You're going to need another pass rusher just as far as starting goes. And then you're going to need depth at that spot too. So yeah, I don't think the Browns are done. I don't think the Browns are done at corner. I think they are going to be continuing to look at corner, even though I think they have, uh, I think they have uh, uh, faith in Greedy Williams. And obviously you've got Denzel, but I think they want more. They lost Terrence Mitchell left. Uh, so I think there's a lot more coming in this free agency from the Browns on the defensive end. And, I, and then I think, again, you've got the draft, which is supposed to be here in Cleveland. Hopefully that does happen. Uh, you know, coming up at the end of April. So uh, a lot of good things. Just real quick around the NFL. I find the Trent Williams story crazy entertaining, right? This is, this is the Trent Williams that like was kind of like, <laughs> like not no people didn't want him, right? Like when did he, when did he go to San Francisco? Was that last year? Uh, so. Yes. Yes. Right? From Washington. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There was a lot of rumors that the Browns wanted him, and there were trades, and nobody knew. I, yeah, it was last, It was at the draft last year. All of a sudden, Trent Williams plays his absolute ass off for the 49ers, was one of the best linemen in football, and signs a $140 million contract. He goes from a guy that Washington was just dying to get rid of to the highest-paid offensive lineman in the history of football, and he had one of the best years ever. So I just I think that's a cool story. I think – Chicago signing the red rocket is interesting. What are they doing? That is, I have to say, I think the bears are the new Browns. I think they're the new Browns. Well, they were, I don't know if you heard this. They were like, like final steps in signing and getting a trade for Russell Wilson. And then Pete Carroll blocked the trade. He should have. Yeah. Well, of course, but like Pete Carroll blocked that trade. So either they were scrambling to be like, we need somebody. It's and, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't like, what are they doing over there? Coming from a Bears fan, oh god, it's like when you're playing pool and like, like uh, 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 the guy opposite you shoots the cue ball and like skips it and it hits you right in the marbles, <laughs> <laughs> and it's yes. like, oh. and, and you know the tough part about this is the tough part about this is. Like, he's not. I mean, okay. Listen, on the surface, it's a good. It's, he's he's pretty good. Andy Dalton is a five-time Pro Bowler, and he led the Bengals to the playoffs multiple times. But he's. I, I don't know. It's Andy Dalton. It's but Andy Dalton. That was a long time like, ago, Chad. Didn't look like that like, last year. Oh my like god! Like he's like he, the thing is. But the thing is too. It's like I want to be upset. Well, I am upset about it. But at the same time, he's better than Foles. Or that future Mentor High School tight ends coach, oh. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> is he? You think yeah. he is? I don't yeah. know, man. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I mean, Andy Dalton got dead got dead last year when I don't forget who hit him. But like <laughs> so he might be, got dead. He might he might have some issues oh, from that, but I don't think he knew still, where he was the entire time he was in Dallas. He's still a capable quarterback. I don't know, man. I I I, I mean, he's more capable than Foles and 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 and, and Trubisky, but like and future men are tight ends coach. But 
but he stinks. <laughs> I do. You know what? Stinks. You know what Andy Dalton is. He is um, like when you get like a three uh, percent interest increase on your savings account that has like twenty bucks in it. It's like it's like hey, we got twenty five bucks, and then here's an extra three cents. That's Andy Dalton. Yes, minimal oh, improvement. Oh God! Oh, and then so we got Chicago we were doing whatever, and then and then we've got something that people are just lauding like crazy. That I'm not buying into this. You've got the New England Patriots just signing. Everyone like the new yeah. England Patriots yeah. just signed that first day. It was just any news was like, Oh, these guys are going to new England. Uh, yeah. Matt Judon, new England, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, two tight ends, new England, Jalen, yeah. new England, Nelson Aguilar, new England. Yeah. And Ford, they're all going to new England. What's let's, the let's not before, forget that the Patriots had seven starters opt out of last year. Defensive starters opt out of last year. You can't even judge last year's Patriots. This this yeah. is going to be a potential division winning uh, roster, depending on how Cam performs, I guess. But like, yeah, that defense is going to be back, and that's the one thing. And for, and before we started this podcast, Kyle Van Noy just announced that he's he's resigning with New England as well. Oh, really? So uh, yeah. So uh, but that was the one thing I told because I have a buddy who's a Patriots fan. Um, there, Joey, and that was the one thing I told him is you still don't have a quarterback. So I mean, games yeah. are going to be like sixteen to ten. <laughs> well, or, yeah, <laughs> 16 twelve to three. to three, twelve <laughs> to three. Like, because I mean, I, I would not trust Cam Newton as far as I could throw him, man, because he just looks so over the hill, especially when he's throwing the ball. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, it just doesn't look. It's just not the same. It's it's really sad. It was so fun to watch when he was at Carolina and lighting it up and. He's not the same guy anymore. I, I just, I, okay. Uh, Matt Judon's a good player. And I think you make a great point, Joe. They get some of those players back on defense that opted out last year. That remember what their defense, entire defense. Remember what their defense was two years ago. They had made one of the best defenses in the history of football. They played had, in New England two years like ago. The fifth, this is probably irrelevant step. They have like the fifth most fantasy points out of any right, player. Right, right, <laughs> And they're right. a defense. No, for real, for real. Uh, so adding Judon, adding Van Noy coming back. I mean, he's not the same as he used to be, but he's still a good player. Jalen Mills, good safety. Uh, so they've added good players on the offensive side though. I still don't like, I, I know John, John Smith and Hunter Henry are like, okay. Tight ends. Like I, they just don't, it, it's not like they've added. I, I feel like we're talking about those guys. Like they added like Travis Kelsey, like, no, they didn't. Uh, they didn't uh, add. George Kittle, they're, they're they're pretty good players that succeeded where they were, kind of. But like Hunter, that, that doesn't get me all excited. Nelson Aguilar doesn't get me excited. Like Hunter Henry has Hunter Henry has Travis Kelsey ability, but his yeah. leg will fall off at any time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you look at it the wrong way, his leg snaps in half. Yeah, that's the thing. He's just so like I mean the injuries just pile up with that guy, and yeah, I I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what the Patriots are doing because they still don't have a quarterback. Chad, one guy out there that you want the Browns to sign, who who is it? One guy out there? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, no, if they I had... can't sign him. He's been gone for, well, depending how you look at it. He's been out of playing sure? shape for a long time. Are you sure? Because I feel like like football gods or like Jesus has been watching over the Browns the last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right. Uh, but, God, I mean, what, first – First, like, knee-jerk reaction, Carlos Dunlap. 
Wow. So another pass rusher. Knee-jerk reaction, Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, another pass rusher. I mean, there isn't – I was kind of like like low-key hoping maybe maybe they would work something out with Kyle Van Noy. But, uh, but, um, but you know, I, I, yeah, another pass rusher, I would really like to see them add some sort of crafty veteran like that. All right. I, I was going to say the same thing, honestly. Oh, I like Carlos Dunlap. I, I, I don't really have a specific player, but I am, I am waiting to see – when does the the corner hit? I'm I'm waiting on a corner. I think they still need one more corner, yeah. especially losing money, Mitch. Uh, they they need another starting yeah. caliber corner uh, in the orange and brown. So I'm waiting for that yeah. too. So that uh, would be my of, other that would be my other choice. If that like, is if probably was, realistically like, the next that would be my other choice. That's probably realistically the next signing. Just because I mean, who who's gonna put out if Greedy's not ready and back from his injuries, which he had nerve injuries. I mean, that's who knows. Yeah, who knows? With that, yeah, honestly. So you need depth at best at that position now well listen a lot of fun stuff going on in the nfl it is free agent season uh and again uh, knowing that your browns uh, are coming off of a uh nearly taken out the chiefs in the playoffs a great season where you beat the steelers in the playoffs you 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 won 11 games in the regular season uh and, and you're bringing as we said your whole offense back uh, watching them improve this defense as we continue to go through this offseason is going to be a good time. And, man, there's so much to look forward to once Brown season rolls around. But we're going to get out of that. We're going to stay, stop real quickly. Uh, Chad, I want to talk about this with you for a little bit because you, you do our Blue Jackets uh, post-game videos. And what's going on? What's going on in Columbus? What's, what's happening down there? Like, I don't think anybody expected Columbus to be like the best offensive team in the league. I don't. I don't think anybody expected Columbus to be just lighting up the 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 net like crazy. But you had this team last year that was so effective defensively, mm-hmm. so good at kind of quote unquote slowing the game down a little bit and uh, yeah. making life easy for their young goaltenders and all that. They are anything but that this year. They're anything but that. What's going on down there, dude? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't really know. Uh, first off, it's consistency. Uh, the. It, They'll have stretches in periods where they look like that team from last year that can really slow the game down and just be so irritating to play against uh, because they, you know, they're when when the Blue Jackets are playing their best, they're very opportunistic on offense, and they are arriving in fives in the defensive zone and just blocking shooting lanes, getting sticks in shooting lanes, uh, forcing turnovers, uh, not letting. You know, they're, they're tightening, they're trapping in the neutral zone. They're trying, they're not letting the other team have a whole lot of puck possession. It's, it's, it's not that way this year. It's not that way this year. And I think, I think a big part about that is, is, is John Tortorella. John Tortorella is a great coach. He's an old school coach. He's an old school coach, but he's kind of one of those coaches in, in like the mold of like a, like a Mike Babcock or like a Jim Harbaugh. Like where they're there long enough. Jim Harbaugh coached they, hockey. Well, and football—that's a football reference. Sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, where they kind of just wear out their eventually wear out their welcome, and and not only wear out their welcome, but I think he is also lost this year. Like I don't know what exactly he's doing because team to keep any lines together. He's so confused as to what to do with a Patrick Laine, a Jack Roslovic, because he will, st- he, he will start lines together. He will start guys together and lines, but he'll switch those lines up 
on the fly in the middle of the game. So his his offense hasn't been able to build any chemistry this year. I mean, for a while there, he had Ross Levick, Line A, and Atkinson together, who has been his most productive line this year. I mean, Line A had goals in like six or seven straight games when that line was together. And then all of a sudden, he just decided to break it up because he couldn't fit because the other three lines couldn't really figure it out. They weren't generating anything. But that doesn't mean you get rid of your top line who's been scoring all your goals. You figure it right. out. Uh, you figure it out on the back end. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a mess right now. You know, they can't put three periods of hockey together consistently. I mean, when they do, when they do put a consistent when they do put a consistent effort together, they're very good. But it's just it's just it's it's it is. It's a mess right now. And honestly, I, I, it's inching, it's inching towards that for me to point for me to where they got to start thinking about maybe going in a different direction. I was going to ask, do you feel like it's getting to be that time? Because it's hard to say because he is a really good coach and he's had success there and he's been a good coach there and he was a good coach in his stops before there, but Mm -hmm. it's increasingly like every time you talk to other blue jackets fans, it's increasingly like, I think, I think we got to get rid of towards like, I think, I think it's time. I think it's time. And it feels like it's the common, the common thought now. And again, I know that's fans, but you know, I, I, it just feels they feel stale. It feels like they're having a hard time. Like there, there's no gelling on that team at all. Again, they're they're very no. inconsistent, and some of that, if not a lot of that, has to come back to coaching. Yeah, yeah, I think I think um, I definitely some of it comes back to coaching. Uh, you know, it's like I said, he keeps mixing up his lines. Uh, like they haven't been able to build any chemistry. And another thing that he keeps doing is when both goalies are healthy, when Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corposalo are both healthy, I think he keeps switching. A, a, a problem I have is he keeps switching off goalies every every other game. And I, I, I don't really think that does him any good because that doesn't allow your goalies to get into any sort of rhythm. That also... Uh, also the guys in front of him, the defense in front of him has no idea who is, who are behind him <laughs> nowadays, because that gives you, when you have the same goalie in, in you know, in front for like, you know, th- you know, three straight games, guys know how they have to defend. They know their, go- that, that particular goalie strengths, what they need to do. I mean, it, the style of play a goalie makes kind of dictates on how the defense will play. So, you know, and, and again, Merce Lincoln's and Corpus Allo are both technically pretty solid number one goalies. And I, I understand not wanting to sit them for long, but you need to kind of pick a goalie and stick with them just so they can get into that, you know, in, in, into that sort of rhythm. So, yeah, there's just a lot of problems in figuring out how he wants to play this, uh, how they want, how, how the Blue Jackets want to play. So, you know, fortunately, they've been able to come away with a bunch of wins. I mean, there's they're certainly no Buffalo, for God's sake. But, <laughs> but they, just, they just have to – they just have to – I really think they just have to kind of pick a group, you know, pick, pick some groupings, pick some lines, and stick with them and, and see where it goes. That's, yeah, that's, hockey I mean, season, I, yeah, hockey season barreling along, and, and it's, not, it's not going well in Columbus right now. They sit at – fourth in their division maybe fifth i don't know fourth or fifth in their division uh still better than nashville 
you know, which is fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but they got to get things, you know, uh, it's increasingly looking bleaker and bleaker as far as postseason life, uh, but still a little time left that they can get things right. But uh, that's going to pretty much wrap us up. We do have our three cheers of the week as we always do. However, before we do that, it's a special St. Patrick's Day edition of our Garage Beers podcast. Hold on, Joe. Sorry, I might give you one more thing, Dedit. Should we do this last? What? Should we do our three cheers of the week? Then I'll do the Irish blessing and you and I can do a car bomb. Yeah. Chad. Yeah. When Joey and I do an Irish car bomb, will you please take a picture of it? All right, fine. Okay, so uh, let's go back. I'll just cut it where I said, uh, send us. We're always, we're always interested in hearing good stories. Okay. I don't want to hear their stories. Oh, shut up, Joe. All Why don't right. you take it easy? All right, so Take that brings Mikey back in after story time. Thanks. So, anyways, that brings us to uh, one of our last things we're going to do: the garage or the three cheers of the week here on the Garage Beers podcast, where we're just going to go around and say three things that we're excited about, three good things that happened this week. Uh, and I will lead us off while these other two guys get themselves ready. Um, good news this week: uh, one of the Browns' wide receivers. If you've been following the saga that's been going on on Twitter. You haven't really seen him on the field with the Browns, uh, but Ryan Switzer, uh, his little, really small son developed a, a health issue that became very, very serious to the point where they had to operate. There was a, a bleeding situation going on, all that. And it was, it was a concerning situation. It was something they were very, they were very scared about. And they kind of documented that online. Uh, well, they came out and Ryan, uh, Ryan Switzer's son is doing well. He's home. Uh, he's recovered from his surgery or is recovering from his surgery. And uh, just a shout out to that, because, again, he's a member of the, the Cleveland sports family. Uh, he's still with the Browns uh, looking to make you know more noise on the team next year. And uh, and it was just really good to see as a dad. Uh, that's a nightmare situation where something's going on with your kid that you're not really sure what it is. And it's really good to see that they've gotten over that. And, uh, uh, and his kid is a fighter and is strong and got past that. So my, my cheer goes out to Ryan Switzer, his family and his little boy. Chad, what about you? Me? Yes. (laughs) You know what? My cheers goes to the Cleveland state Vikings. Horizon League champs and headed to the tournament for the first time in a while since 2009 when Norris Cole led the uh, Cleveland State Vikings uh, to the tournament. So I just saw a picture of them today. Coach Dennis Gates at the Brickyard Racetrack taking a picture there on the finish line like so many people have done. So that is my cheers of the week. Cleveland State Vikings. Let's go. Let's go Vikes. All right, Joe, your cheer of the week. My cheer of the week. Well, since it's St. Patty's Day, I'm going to plug Gaelic sports into the cheer of the week. Oh, here we go. We're going to do it (laughs) because I am cheering Gaelic sports because everybody should watch it at least once or if you're athletic or if your softball league isn't treating you right. um, This will definitely knock you into shape. I think Cleveland has a uh, a Gaelic sport club and Akron does as well. it's like Gaelic football, which is like where you have a soccer ball and you like you hit it through like the goalposts and stuff with your hands. And then there's hurling where you just whack the shit out of people 
with like a little baseball sized ball and like wooden sticks. Uh, that's just, that's it. It's not like necessarily a cheer, but like you should go check them all out. Cause they're really fun. And it's love- Irish. We've, we, we came and watched you play a little, a little hurling. Yeah. It was a tournament in Akron. It was a great time. Yeah, some guy got his ear uh, chopped off. Yeah, that's that, he lost the top half of his ear in the match I was in. That's sports. Yeah, that's Van, Van that Vander is, Holyfield. That's sports. Did Vander Holyfield play hurling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vander, big hurler. All right, those are our three cheers <laughs> of the week here on the Garage Fears podcast, and it's a special St. Patrick's Day, so we're going to sign off a special way, uh, a way that a lot of us know how. Uh, Joey and I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an Irish blessing as we go out. And then Joey and I are going to go out with one of the finest drinks that you can have, uh, on St. Patty's day. Uh, and we're, we know it's more commonly known as an Irish car bomb. I get scolded by my friend, Sean Gormley, uh, also known as the Irish barber proprietor of Gormley's over here in Rocky river. Cause he doesn't like that name. Uh, but we're going to go with Irish car bombs to knock us out. So here we go. Uh, let me get mine set Can up. I do here. It? Is this enough? Yeah, you got your, you got your, how long has your Bailey's been sitting in that whiskey? Uh, probably like 10 minutes. Oh, here comes a cement mixer. Yeah, that might be a little chewy, but you enjoy it. Might it. be a little chewy. Oh, I've been <laughs> yep. stirring it with my finger. Oh, all right. All right. So I got mine ready. <laughs> Joe's got his ready. Chad's going to get a snap a picture of this, but to all of you on St. Patrick's day, may you always have a clean shirt, a clear conscience, and enough coins in your pocket to buy a pint. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Woo! Look at you two. Ah. Look at you two. Uh, a little cement. Oh, for man. Sure. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Irish car bombs to send us out. That's been Garage Beers episode 57. Thank you to Angel Gray, our special guest. Go check her out again. Find her on her socials. She's always on Fox Sports, Ohio, calling the Cavs. Thank you to uh, Belly Up Podcast Network. Check out them and their other shows. And, of course, our biggest thanks always goes out to you, the listeners. We hope you enjoyed episode 57. We'll see you again. More special guests coming up. So stay tuned for that. But we'll see you again this time next week. Cheers and slunch, everybody. (laughs) 